Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, May 27th. I'm your host, Mike Meharing. Thanks for tuning in. That's the air coming out of the housing bubble. You hear it? Okay, anyway, this has been a pretty crazy week for me. Little slap happy. We finally got all of our stuff moved into our new place after five months of renovations. Pro tip I don't recommend renovating a house during historically high inflation. Uh, we were actually over budget on day one. Anyway, as I'm sure most of you know, moving is exhausting, and quite frankly, I'm pretty exhausted. But as the saying goes, the show must go on. So we're going to push through this and then thankfully have a nice long Memorial Day weekend coming up. So as far as this week goes, it was actually pretty quiet in terms of news. We did get the minutes from the May FOMC meeting yesterday. That apparently reminded everybody that the Fed isn't really being all that aggressive in its inflation fight. It was like, oh oh yeah, the Fed is only planning on hiking rates 50 basis points over the next two meetings. That's not really as bad as we were thinking. You know, I, I think people hear all of the tough talk from Jerome Powell and others over at the Fed. And, you know, they get this impression that the central bank is all in on the inflation battle. But as I've said before, you can't so much listen to what the people are saying. You have to look at what they're actually doing. And in the big scheme of things, they really aren't doing all of that much. In fact, uh, I did an article over at shiftgold.com slash news this week about how the Fed balance sheet has actually been creeping up all month. Now you would expect if we're in this, you know, all hands on deck inflation fight that you would be seeing the balance shrink uh, balance sheet shrinking, but oh no no. Uh, we're actually creeping up. Now granted it is down a tad from the record that was set back in April, but you know, if this inflation fight is so urgent, it doesn't make any sense that the Fed keeps putting off balance sheet reduction and is, in fact, allowing the balance sheet to increase slightly. Remember, initially the plan was to start quantitative tightening in May, uh, and then for some reason that was never explained, they decided to put that off until June. You know, it just doesn't scream inflation urgency. And as I've talked about before on this show, I think it's really a function of the fact that the Fed knows that it can't aggressively fight inflation without deflating all of the bubbles, without wrecking the economy. And, and you know, that's where we're heading. Um, and speaking of economy, we also got the second GDP estimate for Q1. Now, as it turns out, the economy contracted even more than initially reported. The GDP was revised down from negative 1.4% to negative 1.5%. The ever-optimistic mainstream was expecting for the revisions to make things look a little better uh, with a upward revision to negative uh, 1.3%. Regardless, the spin is still that this is nothing to worry about. It's just a blip on the radar. But Peter Schiff has been arguing that we're already in a recession um, and, and that this Q1 GDP print is just the first indication of that. I'll link to a couple of interviews uh, and podcasts that he's done on the show notes page for you all to check out on that. 
Now, as far as gold and silver, again, pretty quiet this week. Uh, gold seems to have found pretty strong support around 1850 an ounce. And I would expect it to stay in this neighborhood unless, you know, we get some kind of uh, big news or data, at least until people figure out that this stagflation is a real thing. Uh, our technical analysis guy, he did a post this past week on the various technical dynamics in the gold market, and uh, he seems to think, seems see things as pretty bullish as long as we're holding this 1850 support. I'll link to that on the show notes page as well. Uh, silver has gotten hammered worse than gold over the last month or so. Uh, it's getting dragged down from both sides. As a monetary metal, it's languishing just like gold because, of course, people still believe the Fed is going to do this inflation fight and interest rates are going up. Um, and then, of course, uh, silver is getting hammered or at least getting headwinds because everybody realizes that there is going to be an economic downturn with this monetary tightening, although they're way underestimating just how bad this recession is going to be, at least in my opinion. Uh, silver was trading at about 22 22 an ounce when I started doing show prep this morning. Now, that's way undervalued compared to gold. The silver-gold ratio is over 84 right now. That's really high historically. And at some point, you would expect a reversion back to the mean um, and, and that gap with gold to close up. This usually happens during a gold bull market. We saw it during the pandemic. That ratio fell into the 60s, which is much closer to the historical norm. Now, keep in mind, silver tends to outperform gold in a gold bull market. So if you're bullish on gold, there's reason to be even more bullish on silver, given the relationship between the two metals. The other thing that silver has going for it uh, right now is this whole green energy push. Now, you know, no matter what you think about it, it's only going to get stronger and stronger as the price of oil continues to spike. Um, and even if we have a deep recession, it's pretty certain that governments around the world are going to keep subsidizing uh, the green energy movement because that's what the governments want to do. Uh, and so that's that's bullish for silver because silver is an important element in uh, green energy, both for electric vehicles and, of course, for solar. So, you know, personally, I think at $22 an ounce, silver is a bargain. And uh, if you're in the market, if you've ever thought about buying silver, this is a great time to look into that particular metal. Um, so let's talk about housing because I think that really reveals just how much the Fed has, quite frankly, jacked things up. And, of course, housing is top of mind uh, for me. You know, as as y'all know, if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, I bought a house back in December, um, moving a little bit farther south into Florida. And, um, you know, the, the housing market was crazy. So, my mom passed away last fall, and my sister and I had her house, and we wanted to sell it because I was figuring we were pretty close to the top of the market. As it turns out, I was right. To show you how crazy the dynamics were, um, especially here in Florida, when I put the house on the market, uh, we had a cash offer one day later, um, it was 30000 over asking price, and the guy put the offer in sight unseen. That's how nutty the housing market was at its peak. And uh, so, and it's still, you know, prices are still really, really high 
uh, in historical terms, I think it's starting to slow down a little bit. I was talking to a realtor yesterday who was um, looking at the house we were renting up in Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, she said that she's starting to see that slow down, uh, things staying on the market a little bit longer, you know, just a, a little less crazy out there. And of course, this is all um, this is all the result of what the Fed has been doing. Now, you know, it really comes down to interest rate manipulation, right? And the problem with all of this interest rate manipulation is that it distorts the economy. It results in misallocations and maladjustments. And that's true both for rate cuts and rate hikes. You know, it's not just the artificially loose monetary policy that the Fed engages in that's problematic. Um, it's it's not just the money printing. When the Fed tries to undo it, when it tries to unwind, it creates a whole new set of misallocations. It's all artificially manipulated. So let's think really basic here. What is an interest rate? It's a price, right? It's the price of borrowing money. So what happens when you lower a price? Economics 101, you get more of that thing. A lower price incentivizes buying, uh, and, and so you get more of it. When you make rates artificially low, people will borrow more money than they otherwise would have. And of course, that's exactly why the Fed slashes interest rates during an economic downturn. They want to get people borrowing more because they'll have more money to spend, and that quote-unquote stimulates the economy. You get more in borrowing and spending than you otherwise would. And of course, when the Fed starts jacking up rates to kind of unwind what it's done, the borrowing and the spending falls. Now, the question nobody ever bothers to ponder is, how does this room full of so-called experts know what the quote-unquote right interest rate is. Now, the answer to that question is they don't. They have absolutely no clue. Remember, these are the people that were telling you that inflation is transitory. They don't know what they're doing. And even if they did know what they're doing, again, we've talked about the knowledge problem. There's no way for a group of people to have knowledge of all of the dynamics and be able to put that together in such a way to come up with the correct policy. It's always going to be problematic. There are always going to be unforeseen consequences, things that are going on that they're going to miss. I don't care how smart they are. I don't think they're necessarily that smart, but no matter how smart they are, you can't centrally plan an economy. It just doesn't work. They're just guessing, right? So that's why we have this constant cycle of booms and busts. You know, it's like it's like the drunk guy, okay? The drunk guy, he's driving down the road, and, and he hits the bumps over on the side. You know, the little uh, warning that you're about to go off the road. He hits that. And then he overcorrects, and then he hits the bumps on the center, center line. Thump, 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 thump. And then he overcorrects again, and he ends up back over on the other side. You know, and he, and he goes back and forth until eventually he drives off the road. I wonder how close we are to the Fed driving us off the road. So now we're in the correction phase. You know, the Fed is starting to raise rates. It's trying to undo the mess it created with its artificially low rates, with the quantitative easing, with all of the things that happened during the pandemic. Of course, the government is culpable in this too. Uh, they've taken this printed money and handed it out. So people have spent it and, and we've created all of these bubbles. And, and so now the Fed is in the wind it down phase. Um, you know, 
even though we're at the beginning of this, we're already seeing the air seep out of the housing bubble that it blew up. And I think housing is kind of a leading indicator about what's going on in the overall economy. It's also a microcosm. It is a microcosm of what this manipulation by the Federal Reserve does to the broader economy. What you see happening in housing is also happening in the broader economy, although it's not necessarily quite as easy to see. Now, mortgage rates are particularly sensitive to the Fed's mechanization. So since the central bank started nudging up rates in March, mortgage rates have really spiked. In February, rates were just above 3.2%. At their lowest back in late 2020, they were uh, down around 2.8%, which was historically low. Today, they are at about 5.5%, 5.49 to be exact, what was the last number that I saw. Rates right now are at the highest level since 2009, which of course was in the aftermath of the housing bust. And of course, at that point, uh, you know, the, the the housing market was going through this this retraction, and mortgage rates shot up. Now, um, unshockingly, the mortgage rates rising right now is starting to ripple through the housing market. So let's just look at some of the recent data. Uh, new single-family home sales, that's the data point that we got this past week. Uh, they have plunged. New single-family home sales fell by 16.6% in April, and they're down 26.9% year-on-year. So that's a huge drop. New home sales dropped to the lowest level since the lockdown back in April 2020, when you know nobody could shop for a house because they weren't allowed to leave. Uh, new home sales are often viewed as kind of the leading indicator of the state of the overall housing market. So when you start to see new home sales fall, that doesn't bode well for the housing market more broadly. Now, this is interesting. The unsold inventory of new homes spiked by 34,000. That's a historic month-to-month leap. There were 440,000 unsold homes, and that's a seasonally adjusted number. That's the highest level since May 2008 in the midst of the housing bust. Both of the uh, both the month-to-month and year-over-year increases in unsold new homes were the largest leaps ever recorded both in numbers of unsold houses and in percentage terms. So we're seeing a very sudden spike in the inventory of new homes. And of course, the cost of new homes has gone up precipitously because, again, we have this inflationary pressure. All of the materials that go into building homes are more expensive. I can attest to this because I've been buying materials, not for a new home, but for renovations. Uh, It's really, really, uh, the, the cost pressures are extraordinary. And of course, that's being passed on. So new houses are more expensive. Um, The biggest drop in new home sales occurred in the under $400,000 price range. So that indicates that the high prices and the rising mortgage rates are squeezing middle-class Americans out of the housing market. Of course, as always, the, the folks that are least able to afford it are the ones that are really feeling the pinch the most. Wolf Street gave a pretty good breakdown of the current dynamics in housing. Quote, home buyers struggle with spiking mortgage rates, which make the high home prices that much more difficult to deal with. And with each increase in mortgage rates and with each increase in home prices, entire layers of potential buyers abandon the market and sales volumes plunge. 
Now, mortgage applications have also tanked. The Mortgage Bankers Association data for April 2022 shows that mortgage applications, again, this is for new homes purchase, uh, new home purchases, it decreased by 10.6% compared to a year ago. And compared to March 2022, applications decreased by 14%. So we saw this huge drop off in March as we've seen mortgage rates really spike because the Fed is raising interest rates. So what are the underlying dynamics here? The Federal Reserve blew up this housing bubble when it artificially suppressed interest rates and uh, on top of that bought billions of dollars in mortgage-backed securities. Uh, you know, when, when that happens, so basically the mortgage-backed securities thing, what happens is the banks sell the mortgages, they package them in these securities, and, and then they're sold on the market. They come off of the bank's books. That means the banks can lend more. So it really kind of, it, it super primes, super pumps the uh, the housing market. So we had both lower interest rates. We had the Fed buying up these mortgage-backed securities. It created this housing bubble. And now the central bank has pricked the bubble by allowing rates to rise ever so slightly. So, you know, in a nutshell, what the Fed giveth, the Fed taketh away. Mortgage rates uh, began to fall in late 2018. So this was actually prior to the pandemic. Um, That was when the economy was tanking. You remember the stock market tanked and the Federal Reserve ended its post-2008 rate hike cycle. Rates continued to fall as the Fed pivoted back to QE and then dropped through the floor when the rate cuts and QE infinity came about in response to coronavirus. The big spike in mortgage rates we're seeing today started as the Fed began talking up monetary tightening to tackle raging inflation. So if you look at the housing market, you can directly see how the Fed's intervention has manipulated it, both up and now down. Uh, you can you can clearly see how Fed tinkering impacts housing. The important thing to understand is that It creates these same distortions in every corner of the economy. I said this just a minute ago. It needs to be emphasized. What you're seeing in housing is also happening in all the other sectors of the economy. Again, it's just not as easy to see uh, the direct correlation. But these misallocations, these, these distortions are present in every corner of the economy, thanks to the Federal Reserve basically manipulating the price of money. And... You know, it's frustrating to me because you'll get people and and they'll they'll yell and scream about the failures of the free market, you know, and and they'll say we have these booms and busts. It's a failure of the free market. No, there is no free market when a room full of central bankers is manipulating the price of money. That is not free market. It's like these people who are running around blaming the baby formula shortage on the failures of capitalism when in reality it's the FDA it's import tariffs, it's all of the government interventions that have created this problem in the supply of baby formula. It's not a failure of capitalism. It's a failure to have capitalism or free markets, I prefer, because you know capitalism has a, has a uh, I guess, a bad, what's the word I'm looking for? See, my brain's not working because I've spent the last week moving. Um, uh, capitalism is just kind of, it's it's a word that has bad connotations. So I like to use the term free market. But anyway, um, 
so yeah, we've got we've got no free market because we have central bankers, we have government that have their little fingers in every aspect of the economic pie. So basically right now, if you want to buy a house, you're facing the double whammy of rising mortgage rates and prices that are still exceptionally high. Um, there's still a big inventory shortage in housing out there. Um, and you know, if you haven't been in the home buying market for a while, you forget just how much rising interest rates push up those payments. And I feel sorry for anybody who has adjustable rate mortgages. And interestingly, a lot of people, I saw this the other day, a lot of people are apparently getting into adjustable rate mortgages now because they're betting that those rates are going to come down. I would never have an adjustable rate mortgage. It just seems like a bad plan to me. Um, here's here's kind of, I'll give you some numbers. These are about a month old. Um, so mortgage rates were actually a little bit lower than, than, than they are now, but it's still illustrative. Buying the same house today will cost you about $670 per month more than it did if you bought that house last year. You know, that's based on uh, looking at mortgage rates and, and down payments, et cetera, et cetera. 670 I can't afford $670 a month out of my budget just to pay for housing. Hell, I'm paying that for gasoline right now, right? So if you look at that, it's a 50% jump in mortgage payments for the same home. That's just in one year. So uh, you know, on a, on a side note, this is just an, another example of how CPI actually understates actual increases in prices. So the bottom line is as more and more people are squeezed out of the housing market, prices will likely begin to fall. In fact, I think that there's already some indication that that's happening. Uh, I was talking to a real estate agent the other day. Um, I was renting the house up in Jacksonville while we were getting this house ready. And so uh, the, the guy that owns the house is going to sell. So I was talking to his real estate agent. And she said she's starting to see the slowdown. She's starting to see things stay on the market a little bit longer. So as, as that happens, as people are squeezed out, you're going to start seeing the price of homes drop. Um, now, you know, I don't see the kind of crash coming that we had in 2008. I see this more as a, uh, you know, the air kind of seeping out of the bubble. Now, granted, I mean, something crazy could happen, and maybe it will. I mean, we could see that kind of big crash again, but I don't really think the dynamics in play are quite the same. Um, you know, one of the things is we had so many people moving, and again, you can still trace that to government manipulation, right? It's because of the lockdowns. Uh, people are moving to Florida and to other states where it was less draconian with the COVID policies. Um, and, you know, so that's having an impact on certain markets. And and then, you know, the other part of it is there's been a huge influx of investment buying in housing, corporate buying. Um, and there are a lot of uh, corporations that have all of these houses in their portfolios and, and they're using them for rentals. You have to wonder if the value of those houses starts to fall, will they begin to sell? And will that actually very quickly reverse the uh, situation in inventory and create a big spike in inventory. We're already seeing the big spike in inventory in new homes. Um, I think we could quickly see inventory begin to increase as far as existing homes go. And again, that's going to cause prices to drop. Um, 
Of course, this is also going to unwind the so-called wealth effect. You know, home equity is the only wealth a lot of people have. Um, that's that's the big, you know, kind of savings that people have. It's the value that's in their home. And, of course, they tap into that value with refis to buy stuff. With mortgage rates shooting up and home prices falling, that becomes a less viable option. In other words, rising mortgage rates also shuts off a potential source of cash for millions of Americans. When rates drop, people often refinance their mortgages. And we saw this actually during the pandemic when rates were really, really low. There were a lot of refis out there. And I think that, you know, kind of helped keep spending up even though nobody was working because people were tapping into that home equity. But of course, that's becoming less and less of an option. And, you know, uh, refinancing not only provides a lump sum of cash to spend, but it also lowers mortgage payments, and that takes strain off of the monthly budget. Uh, Again, there was a big wave of refinancing in 2019 after the Fed's monetary U-turn started pushing mortgage rates down. And over the last several months, the refi market has collapsed. Mortgage refinances have dropped 70% from a year ago and 80% from its peak in March 2020. That means that we're no longer seeing this mortgage refinancing as a way to support consumer spending, and that's just another drag on the economy. So thanks a lot, Fed. You gave us a great housing bubble, and then you popped it. You took it away. And again, this is a microcosm of what the Fed does to the entire economy. The entire economic landscape is distorted, just like the housing market, thanks to your intrepid central bankers over at the Fed. And as the Fed tightens, no matter how much or little tightening it actually does, it is going to create even more distortions and misallocations. So, how do you play it? Well, I think it's wise to have some silver and gold in your portfolio. It's a hard asset that you can hold in your hand. Of course, the price is going to fluctuate, particularly you know, day-to-day, week-to-week. But in the long run, it is a hard money asset. I think it's a good hedge to have in your portfolio. Um, you know, I'm not saying that you should sell everything and buy all gold and silver. It's part of an investment strategy. And if you want to understand how gold and silver can fit into your investment strategy, I highly recommend talking to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. Uh, you can call them 1-888-GOLD-160 or email info at shiftgold.com or you can just go to the website shiftgold.com slash news and you'll get a little pop-up. You can talk to them via chat. However you do it, uh, these guys are fantastic and they will look at your uh, your investment needs, your strategies, what you're wanting to do, your goals, and, and kind of help you figure out how precious metals can fit into your investment strategy. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes. We're uh, on the uh, Shift Gold YouTube channel. We're on Stitcher. You'll find links on the show notes page. Uh, as always, I welcome your feedback, emails. You can uh, shoot me one at mmaharry, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shiftgold.com. Love to hear from folks. I get some good questions from people from time to time. So uh, that's always good. So I love to hear from you. Feel free to shoot me an email. Um, I hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I'm going to get a little rest, hopefully, and try to unpack this sea of boxes I'm living in. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Again, have a great weekend.